0: it's not hard to understand there's a difference between luck and strategy <laughs> luck is getting the last piece of pizza strategy is hiding it beforehand in a warm oven trust us strategy's better this is sports grid radio on sirius xm work
1: one right back here on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 the new home for sports grid radio on sirius xm and all across the sports grid network i'm your host ben stevens we begin the second hour of the morning after on this monday morning talking about a little college football a huge day in the college football landscape yesterday as it pertains to head coaching jobs across the country also looking forward to conference championship weekend with the mouth in the south mark Zeno a little bit later on in this hour and also in this hour if you didn't know the hot stove is burning right now across major league baseball our mlb insider the host of fst on sports grid craig mish will join us in just a little bit to discuss some of his breaking news and what else we can look out for as major league baseball in the free agency deals start to get underway as we approach the month of December in just a couple of days. But it is college football time. The regular season finale came to a close this past Saturday. Now we look forward to conference championship weekend. And then, of course, after that, the college football playoff. But we begin with some craziness yesterday in coaching jobs across the country. It was a bombshell. Shocking news, especially for me that woke up from my nap on a Sunday afternoon to read this update. Lincoln Riley, the former now head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, will be the new head coach of the USC Trojans. Yes, USC taking a big swing and a big hit, a grand salami, if you will, to get Lincoln Riley to head out west. And to become the new head football coach of the University of Southern California. Lincoln Riley leaves Norman for the bright lights of Los Angeles and the new head man in usc in charge of that football program that so far this year just four and seven straight up they end out the year with a matchup against cal to round out this 2021 regular season usc was a team that was one of the co-favorites entering the year or one of the favorites at least to win the pac-12 south division had team win total of seven and a half or eight depending on when you were looking and it has not lived up to that expectation for the trojans who fired head coach clay helton very early on in the first month of this college football regular season. So what do they do? They have one of the biggest shocking developments we have seen in college football from a head coaching perspective in quite some time to go get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. This was an Oklahoma team that had won the conference, the Big 12, four straight years. All four years of the Lincoln Riley tenure in Norman. But Oklahoma will not play for a conference championship this upcoming Saturday because in Bedlam this past Saturday night, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. 37 to 33 to knock OU out of contention for that big 12 conference championship. But when you look at what Oklahoma has done under Lincoln Riley, here are a couple of the numbers you need to know. That loss to Oklahoma State in Bedlam this past Saturday ended a six-game winning streak for OU against their in-state foe in the Cowboys from Stillwater. Oklahoma had won 16 of the last 18 Bedlam games in entering saturday night they had also won like i mentioned six straight conference championships in the big 12 they had been to every big 12 championship game the last four years they will not be this season but that's the program that lincoln riley had established now a lot of the speculation about why lincoln riley is headed to southern california is because oklahoma is headed to the sec and apparently lincoln didn't want any part of that 40U. So now he goes to the recruiting hotbed in Southern California in the Los Angeles area that USC provides. As We welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after On the Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. I'm on the West Coast for one final day inside my childhood home. Lincoln Riley will soon be on the West Coast getting introduced as the new head football coach of the USC Trojans this afternoon in a press conference. A shocking development for the coaching carousel that will wind and unwind throughout the month of December here across the collegiate football landscape. Lincoln Riley, the new head coach for the USC Trojans football program, looking to restore USC to the pantheon of the greats in college football. A huge development for Lincoln Riley, for the USC Trojans, for the Pac-12 that will have ripple effects across all of college football, mainly in recruiting as well because Lincoln Riley already had a bunch of recruits from Southern California about to head to Norman. Well, now they might just stay closer to home to go to USC. So Oklahoma now needs to find a new head coach of themselves, Lincoln Riley at USC, the new head man there in Southern California. Also a head coaching hire yesterday, For the Florida Gators, one of the other biggest vacancies across the college coaching job openings right now in the Florida Gators going with Louisiana's Billy Napier. Billy Napier has been named the new head coach in Gainesville, Florida for the Florida Gators. Craig Mitchell joins us next, a proud alum of Florida. Maybe we get his thoughts on Billy Napier being named the new head coach as well. Billy Napier had turned around this Louisiana football program. In his 4 years there, they did not having losing record, double digit wins the last 3 years. And right now, Louisiana the Raging Cajuns about to play in the Sun Belt Championship game after an 11 and 1 regular season, 8 and 0 in conference action. The only loss for the Raging Cajuns, the opening week of the year against Texas. That is what Billy Napier has done as a head coach at Louisiana. Also assistant coaching experience under Nick Saban at Alabama and under Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He takes that record and that track record with him to Gainesville, Florida to become the new head coach for the Florida Gators who also became bowl eligible this past Saturday with a win over their rivals in Florida State. So Billy Napier to Florida, Lincoln Riley with a huge, huge development heading to USC as a new head football coach. Craig Misch joins us next. Some MLB baseball talk on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Morning After on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am your host, Ben Stevens, now joined by Craig Mish, our Major League Baseball insider right here on the grid, also the host of Fantasy Sports Today, which you can see every weekday, noon Eastern time, following us right here after the morning after so Craig first and foremost welcome to the show a very busy time for you and I will be honest with all the football going on right now both in the NFL and the collegiate landscape as we approach conference championship weekend I have not been the most in tune with the offseason for Major League Baseball but the hot stove is heating up what have some of the latest developments been right now and why all of the action this early on
3: Hey, Ben, yeah, it, it, it's a really interesting dynamic with what's happened here, because normally this time of the year you have a few things percolating as far as the hot stove is concerned, but you don't have this many signings over a 24- or 48-hour period. And so you know, normally in an off season, what happens is we have the winter meetings coming up in a week and, and all the executives meet together and, and things generally get done. I've attended these winter meetings now for a long period of time, but Ben, that there is the impending lockout Wednesday at midnight. And seemingly what has happened is, you know, players and representatives of those players, uh, you know, want to get their deals done before these things. Now the interesting dynamic of all of this is that some guys don't and some guys do, and it just kind of comes down to the person. It comes down to the representation and it certainly comes down to the landscape as far as where things stand. So for me personally, I was not caught off guard uh, this weekend, but it has dominated my time, been on the phone and just kind of following things as they go. So, uh, yes, in terms of Miami, they did make a couple of big moves yesterday.
1: Yeah, Craig, you broke some news about a couple of those big moves, both Avicel Garcia and the stud starting pitcher for the Miami Marlins in Sandy Alcantara. What was the latest info you have for us there and how impactful might that be for the Marlins moving forward? Yeah, the, the, this was a, this was the well, actually it turns out to be the second uh,
3: basically money given out, big money given out by Miami because they did uh, sign Avicel Garcia just before this but this basically i reported this last week that a deal was very close for five years and 55 million dollars alcantara has probably been if not the most reliable one of the most reliable pitchers in all of major league baseball he threw 200 innings last year still very young and what miami did was they saw an opportunity to buy out his arbitration years And Sandy ends up getting the most money ever given to a major league pitcher with three years of arbitration still left on his contract, surpassing the deal uh, given to Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals a few years back. So a big move for Miami to have their ace. He'll be with them on opening day for many years to come. And I, I think in terms of the deal, it's good for both sides. It basically gives a player protection and sets him up for life. Let's be honest, Ben, with $56 million, also an option at the end of that deal, Uh, for a sixth year for another $21 million too. So uh, I've known the player for a long time since he came up in the minor leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, has really grown as a player and a person. So I was happy to see that get done.
1: Do you think that deal for Sandy Alcantara, Craig, from the Marlins' perspective, also has to do with the timing of the impending lockout? Is that some of the moves that you've been hearing? Yeah, no question. I, I think, listen, Byron Buxton, Ben, signed also yesterday.
3: And, and there were, I mean, look, they've been negotiating a contract for two years, and he just got it done. It was reported yesterday his deal would be for $100 million over seven years. And, and there was a lot of teams waiting to see if that was going to get done. Maybe he would potentially be moved elsewhere. Now he's locked into Minnesota for arguably the majority of his career at this point. So, yes, that definitely has to be a factor. And for every player signing, And with every contract extension now going out there, I I think, Ben, you can safely assume that this deadline, get it done on
1: Wednesday, is the reason why. So you mentioned the deadline, midnight on Wednesday. What does the timeline look like the next couple of days to maybe avoid that lockout or what else could we see over the next 48 hours or so? doesn't feel like
3: we're avoiding a lockout at this point. I I have to say that it does feel like we're headed toward that, which would put a freeze on the entire offseason, which is no fun for anyone. But I got to tell you, the alternative of uh, having this slog out for two months as opposed to everything that's happening right now, I kind of find it pretty exciting with what's happening. So I don't think that there's going to be a lot of activity bent on Wednesday because these players, as part of the contracts in professional sports, all teams want a physical, an updated physical taken on the player before they do the deal, or as they do the deal. So I don't think there'd be enough time to have physicals done and contract signed on Wednesday. Now, I definitely think today we'll have some activity, and I do think on Tuesday we'll have some activity. So I would think over the next 48 hours we're going to have some signings, and at least from a lot of the the other national reporters who are covering this thing, some real big mega signings too, which is not something that I anticipated. Yesterday, Marcus Simeon got a seven-year deal over $100 million. So uh, those were not expected. It was a lot of the mid-level and lower-level expected, but it seems like anything could happen now.
1: So, Craig, who are some of those big names we should be on the lookout for the next two days or so that could have some of those mega signings in Major League Baseball?
3: Well, I could just go off the reporting that everybody is is certainly reading out there, but late last night, Max Scherzer's name was linked to the New York Mets by many of the great reporters and national reporters who were out there. Some reports saying that he could earn $40 million a year for another four years at his age, which is just really insane but it just kind of shows you that if the mets are that team that does it they are basically all in yet again and we've probably said that ben for many years that the mets are all in it doesn't necessarily work out but here we are again with the mets kind of going for it they uh they missed out certainly on steven Matz. their owner went to social media to talk about that they also missed out on kevin gossman who signed yesterday with the toronto blue jays so that's a player that i think is very interesting and also the other team that's really jumped in here over the last 24, 48 hours, and I, and I think they will again, is the Texas Rangers. And and look, Marcus Simeon, they signed him. I wouldn't be surprised to see Trevor Story maybe head back to Texas as well. That would give them a great second-base shortstop combination. The Rangers, Ben, they, they have the money. They have a new stadium. They certainly haven't lived up to winning in that new stadium. And when you get that, I think you got to make a little bit of a push. It feels like Texas is back on the radar trying to do that whether or not, and they also signed John Gray too so whether or not that's a success this offseason beauty is in the eye of the beholder but Trevor Story is another name i think that uh, along with Max Scherzer who could end up signing before
1: this this weird deadline on wednesday night some very big names across MLB. So, Craig, you mentioned that deadline that's approaching for the potential lockout we might have in Major League Baseball. Following that deadline, if the lockout does happen, what do the next couple of months look like to try to end the lockout and get back for a Major League Baseball season?
3: Yeah, yeah, they'll be in for a battle, but, but it, I think both sides are very motivated to get it done. I don't think games are in jeopardy, in my opinion, from what I understand. Going to be really hard in the month of December with holidays and New Year coming up to get everybody in a room and get this done in a few weeks. But if you had to ask me just some dart throw prediction, uh, Ben, I would probably say sometime in January this gets done and we have a full spring training and a full off season and another wild time in terms of free agency. So am I concerned? Of course. It's the game that I cover and we talk about here on SportsGrid. But uh, my concern level is probably not as high as maybe some others. I
1: think they're motivated enough to get it done. A free agency frenzy right now where Craig Mish, our Major League Baseball insider, has been breaking news like Sandy Alcantara signing with the Miami Marlins. Also might be a free agency flurry once the lockout comes to a close. Craig Mish, one of the hosts of Fantasy Sports today, each and every weekday, noon Eastern time, following us here on the morning after on the grid. Also breaking news with the best of them across MLB. Craig, as always, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure your phone is blowing up as we speak.
3: All right, Ben, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll be uh, football-centric coming up here uh, very
1: soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, Greg. Thank you so much. And he and Davis Maddock on Fantasy Sports today do a fantastic job with a great cast and crew there as well, keeping you updated with everything that you need to know. We bleed the winning edge here on the grid. That's what we do. That also leads us into conference championship weekend in college football are you excited i'm excited i know mark zinno is excited as well he joins us after the break here in the morning out
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: Right here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM channel one fifty-nine, I am Ben Stevens, your host here on this Monday morning to set you up for conference championship weekend in college football. Saturday, even Friday night will feature conference championship games across the country that will have huge implications for the college football playoff. The regular season is now in the rearview mirror and hoping and join me here to help us preview these games across the conference championship slate. It is Mark Zeno, the mouth in the South, as he is known from all across SportsGrid. You can catch him each and every weekend in-game live, breaking down the college football slate with the best of them. And now, Mark, we advance to conference championship weekend. A pleasure to be joined by you here on the morning after on this Monday.
0: Uh, Benny, a glorious Monday as we get for conference, conference championship weekend.
1: Great to be with you as always. It's going to be incredible to watch. We have known, Mark, in your neck of the woods, the Southeastern Conference, who would be playing in the conference championship tilt for quite some time. Georgia out of the SEC East, the number one team in the country against Alabama. And even Alabama going to quadruple overtime against Auburn, had they lost that game, would have had no impact on the SEC title. But Alabama prevailed in four overtimes in Jordan-Hare Stadium against Auburn, 24-22 in the Iron Bowl. What it did affect, though, Mark, was not the two teams playing the line for the SEC championship game because the early look-ahead line prior to the regular season finale in college football, Georgia was favored on the FanDuel Sportsbook by four points. Right now, UGA, a -a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Alabama for the SEC conference crown on Saturday in Atlanta, the over-under total 50 and a half. Mark, what do you make of that line movement first and foremost? Now, Georgia being favored by six and a half points.
0: Now, I got to tell you, I was out on Saturday night uh, celebrating my wife's birthday, and at halftime of the Alabama Auburn game, uh, I, I decided to check my phone real quick and just see if the line had moved based off of Alabama's first half performance. Sure enough, it did. It had jumped to five on my sports book, and I quickly grabbed it because I had a feeling. I had a feeling that number was only going to continue to head north in favor of the Georgia Bulldogs being a much heavier favorite. And when I looked at the end of the game, it was 6.5. And boy, was I happy I jumped on it when I did. Uh, and I'm curious as to how long this line is going to stay here. Ben, the line seems about right at this point. Look, you're not going to yep. be able to shake off what we've seen from Alabama in perplexing games and forget going all the way back to Florida and forget you know the game against Tennessee and even forget the game against Arkansas. It's the LSU game that stands out. And it's last week against Auburn that stands out because their offense just was completely ineffective for four quarters. And that's going to be a problem against the number one defense in the country in the Georgia Bulldogs we are only giving up seven points per game. So when you put this together, I look at it and go, yeah, that seems about right. It's tough to, to even think of how am I going to lay six points into Alabama, six and a half points. in like That all seems maniacal to anybody who's been on college football over the last half decade that you wouldn't take those points. But at this point, Alabama's got real problems in the offensive line. Their running game is nearly non-existent. Bryce Young has been the only thing that's been keeping them afloat while they throw for 370 yards a game. Uh, and from that standpoint, their defense isn't what we're expecting to see normally uh, from, a, from an Alabama team. So there are real things that Georgia could take advantage of. Do I still think this game could be tight? Would it surprise anybody if Georgia only won by a field goal or Alabama won outright? Probably not. But the line seems about right where we are, given everything we've seen the last couple of weeks.
1: Mark, I think a lot of public bettors are going to look at Alabama being nearly a touchdown underdog, even against Georgia in the SEC title game, and say that's too good to be true. I'm going to take Alabama. And the track record does back that up this is the first time since the 2015 college football season that alabama has been booked as an underdog who were they playing in early 2015 oh yeah georgia they were a one and a half point underdog in that game and the tide ended up winning this is just the second time now in the past 12 years alabama has been booked as an underdog. That is how historic Alabama as an underdog is and now nearly a touchdown underdog maybe shows you where the tide is entering this SEC Conference Championship game or maybe how good Georgia has been as the number 1 team in the country pretty much since the opening month of this college football season. And they have remained often as the unanimous number one team throughout the entire land. Georgia has been a favorite in all, but that opening game of the year against Clemson that UGA won out, right? They are eight and four against the number so far this year, Alabama, as we said, has been booked as a favorite all year long, just six and six against the spread. The first time a reminder for you, Alabama will be booked as an underdog in a football game since 2015 we know what georgia does better than anybody in the country they are the top scoring defense in all of college football allowing their opponents to score less than a touchdown on average throughout this college football season in fact mark georgia has only given up and i believe this is the number i have here 83 points total all year long in 12 collegiate football games 83 points total all year long and some of those honestly might be from a defensive touchdown scored against Georgia early on in this season it might be 76 offensive points that Georgia has allowed that is how good the Georgia Bulldogs have been and even as a six and a half point favorite I think getting UGA less than a touchdown might be the play for the SEC title game
0: no I I would agree look if this number gets pushed to seven and a half it's probably time to start thinking about Alabama um But I agree that this number shouldn't surprise anybody. And really, Ben, when you look at the money line for Alabama at plus 210 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, that's probably the only way I would really go. Like, Part of me feels like the way Georgia has been so dominant. Um, This isn't a thing where Georgia only wins by a field goal. I know I mentioned before it wouldn't surprise anybody, but they're dominant enough to win by a lot more than just the touchdown. So if Bama's going to actually cover this thing, my guess is they probably win it outright. Right. I, I just think there's better value at two-to-one odds than, than right. necessarily taking the six-and-a-half points here because Georgia, again, hasn't been pressed all year long by anybody. Um, the only thing they've been pressed on is backdoor covers by teams like Kentucky. That's about it. Yeah. So from that standpoint, it's either Alabama wins outright or Georgia covers this thing easily. I think that's probably better value to take them on the money line.
1: Absolutely so. Alabama in a live betting scenario was a wonderful case study this past Saturday against Auburn in the Iron Bowl because Alabama entered that game as a 20-and-a-half point favorite on the road in Jordan-Hare. And Mark, you host In Game Live on Saturdays throughout the year. Joe Ranieri and I were working during the Iron Bowl right here on the grid, and we saw Alabama flip to a three-and-a-half point underdog on that live line, getting plus money on the money line. And Joe and I were both like, do it. Just do it. It doesn't matter if it hits or not. You are not going to see Alabama outside of the SEC championship game as a plus money underdog on that money line very often in your lifetime. And sure enough, it took four overtimes and it was not necessarily pretty. And it took some mistakes from Auburn to get them into that extra session. But still, Alabama cashes on that money line. We will discuss Alabama on that money line and how it looks for the CFP national championship Coming up here in our next segment. But right now, Mark, let's move from the SEC to the Big Ten. Michigan and Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Why? Because for the first time in nearly nine years, Michigan beat Ohio State. The first win over Ohio State in the Jim Harbaugh tenure in Ann Arbor. Michigan taking care of Ohio State in Ann Arbor in the big house on Saturday, 42 to 27. Meanwhile, in the Big Ten West, Iowa came back on Black Friday to beat Nebraska. Minnesota upset Wisconsin as a six-and-a-half-point home underdog. Thus, Iowa goes to the Big Ten title game against Michigan. It will be the Wolverines' first birth in a Big Ten championship game in its history. Michigan now a 10-1. And a half point favorite mark against Iowa, tied for the biggest spread of the weekend with Cincinnati, who was also currently a 10 and a half point favorite against Houston. Do you think, Mark Zeno, that many be many people will be rushing to the window to put a money to put some tickets on the underdog Iowa in the Big Ten championship game?
0: You'd have to hope that some sort of offensive miracle happens for Iowa, because I just don't see it. A lot of people would look at this as a letdown spot for Michigan, expending so much energy and really leaving it all out there to beat an Ohio State team, as you mentioned, they hadn't done in nine years and not under the Jim Harbaugh era. So this could be one of those letdown spots. I I just don't see it. Michigan is a superior team at this point in time, and it's their defense more than anything. You know, offense lets down, Ben. Defense does not. Those guys get after Their edge rushers are incredibly insane. And Adrian Hutchinson might have a shot to win the Heisman. Should Bryce Young end up having a bad game against Georgia? He gets two or three sacks in this Iowa game. He literally could win the Heisman. Right now I think he's 7-1 in the FanDuel Sportsbook. But this is not a spot where I feel comfortable that Iowa's offense can score enough to keep up with Michigan to even backdoor cover this thing. I just don't see it. There's just too much defensive prowess for the Wolverines at this point in time.
1: I like them, and I'll lay the points. And we saw that defense perform exceptionally well at home against Ohio State, holding the top-scoring offense in the country in the Buckeyes to only 27 points this past Saturday in the game. The first appearance for Michigan in the Big Ten title game, the second for Iowa, and look at that over-under total for the Big Ten Conference Championship game, 43-and-a-half. This is the biggest total for Iowa, Mark, since the month of October, that first week of october for the iowa hawkeyes it is the lowest total of the entire conference championship weekend slate we will preview so many more conference championship games throughout this week the big 12 with two new teams in oklahoma state and baylor the acc between wake forest and pittsburgh of course we will look at the american athletic conference championship game as well cincinnati right now a 10 and a half point favorite against houston we will look at all of those games as it relates to the college football playoff national championship market as well, because it has moved after the end of the regular season in college football. Ohio State goes down. Oklahoma is now bounced from the college football playoff. So many other changes as well to discuss and how the market has moved and how you can take advantage of that entering this final weekend of the college football season conference championship weekend. We do that next year on The Grid. Morning after, coming back next.
2: Sportsgrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. Sportsgrid.com
1: The morning after on this Monday continues on on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, joined by Mark Zino, the mouth in the south for our second straight segment. As we approach conference championship weekend in college football, the national championship market on the FanDuel Sportsbook has moved like crazy because now we have a clearer picture of the paths to the college football playoff and who might be able to take home a national championship. So as we look at how the market has moved, well, it's time for Market Movers. Mark, often when we do a Market Movers segment, really in any sport, we look from a couple of months ago, like, wow, two and a half months ago, look at how things started to where they are now. Not here for this college football playoff national championship Market Movers segment. We are looking at where the odds were on Friday, entering, entering the regular season finale in college football, to where they are right now following the final weekend of the regular season, before we dive into conference championship Saturday and Friday night across all of college football. There are only 12 teams right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook that even have odds to win the College Football Playoff National Championship. We are looking at the six best odds currently, where they were on Friday, entering the weekend weekend, to where they are right now. So, Mark, let's look back at this as it stands on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Georgia has been the odds-on favorite to win the national championship for the past month or so. Their odds are getting even better to do so from minus 125 to minus 220 as a heavy odds-on favorite. Alabama had the third-shortest odds entering the regular season finale. They are now the second-shortest at plus 750. Michigan moves from 50 to 1 to 10 to 1 after the win in the game over Ohio State in a berth in the Big Ten championship game. Both Cincinnati and Oklahoma State were tied for the fourth shortest odds to win the Natty entering the weekend. Still tied for the fourth shortest, but from 40 to 1 to 12 to 1 right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. And then Notre Dame had the eighth best odds to win the national championship. Entering the regular season finale. When everybody was beating up on each other, Notre Dame had an easy game against Stanford. They won. From 60 to 1 to 25 to 1 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So, Mark, we have seen so much movement. What stands out to you first and foremost?
0: Well, again, Michigan clearly is the where is the place to put your money at this point in time. Even at 10 to 1, I know the odds fell by $40, but still, this is a, an amazing play because they look like the only team right now that could compete with Georgia in a coin flip game, and what an exciting game that would be. game would take about two and a half hours because nobody would score, and the defense would be fantastic. It would be back to the throw school, you know, throwback to old school football, but still, I mean, that's where you need to put your money because there's no value on Georgia at this point in time Michigan. I wish they had enough guts to, to trust them before the Ohio State game at fifty to one. But still, I, I don't know. There is anybody else who, could, who looks like they could compete with Georgia at this point in time. When you are getting double digit to one value back on the return, it's it's too much to pass up. I would I would lay with Michigan here.
1: Yeah, Michigan has provided value all year long in the Big Ten Conference Championship market, of course, in the national championship market, even as recently as about three days ago. But again, it was the belief that Michigan would be able to do what seemed impossible in an eight-game losing skid against the Buckeyes of Ohio State and win in the game. They were a a seven-and-a-half-point underdog even in that game at home in Ann Arbor, so it took a lot of stones to trust Michigan. But Mark is right. The value in this marketplace is still on the Wolverines, who have the third-shortest odds. But, Mark, in my estimation, they are perfectly positioned to be at least – the number two seed in the college football playoff when we get the final rankings at Sunday after the conclusion of conference championship weekend. Because if they are the number two seed, and let's say they face off against Cincinnati in the college football playoff, or even in Oklahoma State, regardless of how the rankings shake out, it probably won't be Georgia in that college football playoff semifinal. You are virtually right now taking a 10-to-1 ticket into the national championship game, hedging opportunities galore for the Michigan Wolverines in that potential matchup against Georgia, where the over-under total might be 44 and a hook or lower. That is how good defenses would be on display in that national championship game. But again, that's the value. Yes, it was 50-1 to 1 a couple of days ago. And you might be thinking, man, have I missed my best price? Sure, but still at plus 1,000, there is tons of value on Michigan because think about where Ohio State was entering the game on Saturday. Ohio State had the second shortest odds to win the national championship at plus 300, making what Michigan did all that more remarkable. And again, Michigan is a 10.5-point favorite right now against Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. That is high for the biggest spread of the entire weekend slate in this conference championship game weekend that we have so michigan might not cover a 10 and a half point spread but based on the odds they are very likely to win the big 10 championship game and if michigan wins the big 10 championship game they will certainly be in the college football playoff so at 10 to 1 that's where the value is mark you also mentioned there's no value on georgia there really hasn't been to win the national championship for the last couple of weeks when they flip to minus money as an odds-on favorite at minus 125 now even greater than that at minus 220 where the value was mark Zeno. All year long was on Georgia to be an unbeaten national champion, which the FanDuel Sportsbook was giving you at good plus money as recently as a month ago. It was plus 230 for Georgia to make that happen. Then it was plus 150. Then even entering last weekend, Mark, it was plus 125. Now it's minus 125 on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the dogs to be an undefeated national champion. So really all of the value on Georgia, Mark, has been taken away.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to note how much uh, odds makers in Vegas are, are putting stock into the Georgia Bulldogs. And I think it tells you a lot about what they believe in the outcome of the SEC championship game, it's almost like they're saying it's a fait accompli at this point that Georgia's going to be in the, the college football playoff by beating Alabama. Now, obviously, Georgia could still lose this game and get in as a one-loss non-conference champion. I don't think that would surprise anybody. But as you mentioned, when talking about them being an undefeated national champion, they're telling you the distance between them And everybody else is a huge gap. All the metrics tell you that, folks. It's just not these guys, you know, uh, looking at it and taking gut feeling. There's a lot of numbers that go into this. And everywhere you look, there's a sizable gap between Georgia and everybody else for a reason. And, And the odds makers are telling you that by how much they are giving Georgia favorite money.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what the power ratings have to say about Georgia or Georgia's defense compared to some of the best power ratings we might have seen in years past, but Georgia has to be as close to some of the best formulas you can spit out for a college football team as any we have seen in the past decade. That is how good Georgia is to make Georgia nearly a touchdown favorite against Alabama should show you enough about where the dogs are Cincinnati is certainly rooting for Georgia to win that SEC championship game because if Alabama wins, I still believe, Mark, that the Dogs will also be in the uh, college football playoff as well. Georgia was minus 3,000 entering the regular season finale to make the college football playoff. A clear indication for me that regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game, a win or a loss – Georgia will be in the college football playoff, just a matter of what seed that they hold. And again, I want to focus on Alabama, who in the SEC championship game is a a six-and-a-half-point underdog. They have the second-shortest odds to win the national championship right now at plus 750. They were plus 4-1, plus 400 this past weekend with the third-shortest odds. Now the second-shortest odds, but the market has still worked against them despite the fact Alabama won – in quadruple overtime as a 20 and a half point favorite against Auburn, only winning that game 24 22. But, Mark, here's the thing I want to bring up. If you think Alabama has value in this market right now, plus 750 to win the national championship, also book the ticket for Alabama at plus 210 on the money line as the underdog in the SEC championship game. Because, in my mind, until proven otherwise, a two loss non conference champion which Alabama would be with a loss to Georgia, will not make the college football playoff. There is one way for the tight in It's a win outright against Georgia on Saturday in Atlanta in the SEC Conference Championship game. So if you like plus 750 in the college football playoff national championship market, and I can't fault you there, then you also need Bama at plus 210 on the money line in the SEC Conference Championship game on Saturday.
0: 100%. And I just don't see how Alabama can actually cover this game without winning it. I mean, Georgia has shown what they can do defensively to everybody. Now, you could argue that they haven't really been tested by any legit offensive teams. Maybe Tennessee, you could say, is one of them. But is Alabama leaps and bounds better offensive offensively than Tennessee? We haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks, to be perfectly honest. Not against SEC competition, we haven't seen it. And so from that standpoint, I, I wonder – how Alabama can stay in this game against Georgia. And the only way they can is by leading it. And so I'm with you. The only value, the only bet for me would be Alabama on the money line because Georgia has beaten everybody by double digits and then some. And so there's no value to take Alabama with the points when you can get two to one on the money line and
1: make double the money. Yeah, absolutely so. And if Alabama covers, great. If they lose by three and they show that they are the most competitive team to play Georgia up until this point of the season, fantastic. But it does not mean that Alabama will qualify for the college football playoff just because they cover against Georgia on Saturday in the SEC title game. A couple of quick points from me here, Mark. I also think when you look at the top five odds right now to win the college football playoff national championship, that being Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati, That will be the top five that we see in the college football playoff rankings that we get the newest edition of that poll tomorrow night. I think Cincinnati will be four, Oklahoma State five, Notre Dame at six, and then Georgia at one. I still think Alabama's two, despite the fact they were tested by Auburn this past Saturday, and then Michigan up to number three in the country. So... When you see Michigan at 10-1 to 1 right now, and Michigan being a 10.5-point favorite in their conference championship game against the Iowa Hawkeyes on Saturday, Mark, not only do I believe Michigan has value right now, I think this will be the best value on the Wolverines at 10-1 to 1 because a win in the Big Ten championship game and the potential to be the number two seed in the college football playoff, Michigan will have their odds at least probably cut in half, if not even more so.
0: I agree again, uh, there, there's no reason to believe that Michigan with another dominant performance wouldn't be, you know, only five to one, if not four to one, depending on how dominant it is and depending on also what Georgia looks like against Alabama in that game. And so as you mentioned, hedge opportunities galore. That's why you get on Michigan now at 10 to one, because if they end up taking on a number three Cincinnati team, or even a number three Oklahoma State team, um, Michigan, it, it will be easily a touchdown favorite against Oklahoma State, if not a double-digit favorite against Cincinnati, and they would almost walk right into the national championship game. So uh, essentially a win against Iowa – puts them in the title game just because I don't think there's an opponent who they can put at three that's really going to match them at this point in time. So if you want to get in on Michigan, don't wait till after the Big Ten championship game. Do it now because Iowa just doesn't have the chops to beat Michigan in that game. Could they sort of backdoor cover it? Possibly. But so many questions on that high offense just lead me to believe that they don't have enough offensive firepower to score enough points to keep up with Michigan in that game, especially after what Michigan's defense just did to the top offense in the country.
1: Yeah, absolutely so. And again, look at the spread and the total for the Big Ten Championship game. Ten and a half in favor of the Wolverines, but a small total and over under of 43 in a hook. So Michigan might not cover that ten and a half point spread. But if they win, they are into the college football playoff. And if Georgia beats Alabama, Georgia will be one, Michigan two, and then shake out Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. That looks at least on paper like a great path for both Georgia and Michigan to meet in the national championship game. 10-1 to 1 on the Wolverines. That is some great value right now. We get Mark's college football playoff top four that we might see tomorrow. That's next year on The Grid.
2: Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: Closing out our second hour together here on the morning after on sports grid Sirius XM channel 159, the new home for sports grid radio on Sirius XM and all across the sports grid network for the previous two segments alongside Mark Zinno, the mouth in the South. I am Ben Stevens, but before Mark goes here at the left at the 11 a.m. Eastern hour time, we need to get his thoughts on what the college football playoff top four will look like tomorrow evening when we get the latest poll, entering conference championship weekend. So now we play Guess the Line. All right, Mark Zeno, the mouth in the south, the floor is yours. What do you think the college football playoff top four will look like tomorrow night when the committee gives us their newest rankings?
0: Well, there's probably a difference between what I think they should be and what I think the committee will do. What I think they should be are Georgia, Michigan, Bama, and Oklahoma State. I I think those are the best, best four teams in the country right now in that order. Uh, I don't think there's much debate to it. I mean, Ohio State would be close with Oklahoma State, but given the way they got kind of waxed, it kind of takes a little shine off of them. I do sort of lean more of what you said. I don't think the committee will punish Alabama for winning a game, regardless of whether it was close or not. And I think the committee will end up putting Georgia Bama, Michigan at three, and Cincinnati at four. I've said it repeatedly. I don't think Cincinnati belongs in this conversation. They're not one of the best four teams in the country. Their record says that they are, and the committee will tell you that their record is enough to put them in, but it's just not my cup of tea at this this point in time, I mean, they're going to get waxed by whoever they play in the first game that they play in the college football playoff, and I just don't need to see that. So, uh what the committee will do, and what I think, probably two different things.
1: Cincinnati, a ten and a half point favorite against Houston in the AAC conference championship game on Saturday. Michigan, a ten and a half point favorite against Iowa in the Big Ten title game, also on Saturday evening. Mark's in on the mouth in the South. Catch him all across the grid. We thank him for his time here on this Monday morning. Benny, you're the best, brother and all that value that Mark and I discussed. For Michigan winning the national championship, make sure you take note. 10 to 1 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the third hour of the morning after, up next here on The grid.